are Locked On Saints, your daily New Orleans Saints podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What is good, Houdat Nation and Houdat family? Welcome to a fresh week here at Locked On Saints, brought to you by the Locked On Podcast Network. Ross Jackson here at Ross Jackson ASC on Twitter. Gladly here with you every single Monday through Friday. Thank you, as always, for being here today. Whether you've been here before or you're just now finding the show, I appreciate you coming through. Today is Mock Draft Monday here on the show, so we'll take a look at a very intriguing Draft Network Kyle Krabs Mock Draft this week, including a proposed Saints trade. But before we get to that, we got to dive into some GOAT talk as Michael Thomas was honored this weekend. We'll revisit his incredible season and wrap up today's show with more quarterback news, how easily this QB conversation could have been in 20. 20, and a reminder that no matter how poorly the Saints playoff early exit went, at least they're not Kyle Shanahan. We got all of that and a little bit of land yet for you on today's episode of Locked on Saints, your team every day. Michael Thomas was awarded the Offensive Player of the Year Award at the NFL Honors Award Ceremony on Saturday night. That's our New Orleans Saints lead story of the day with Ross Jackson of Locked on Saints. Saints wide receiver Michael Thomas is your AP Offensive Player of the Year after an incredible 2000. 2019 season. He becomes the first wide receiver to win the Offensive Player of the Year award since Jerry Rice did it back in 1993. Those two names stand alone as the only wideouts to ever receive this honor. So Michael Thomas finds his name yet again next to Jerry Rice, a name that he even himself has mentioned that he's been trying to be mentioned with, or at least in the same sentence with, for years. And that was a big goal of his. So here he is now as Offensive Player of the Year, winning the award by two votes over Lamar Jackson, who won the MVP award. And look, here's the thing. If Lamar Jackson didn't have the year that he had, I think Michael Thomas definitely would have had a legitimate shot at the MVP award, being the first ever wide receiver to win that award. But Lamar Jackson had an insane year and almost took home both MVP and Offensive Player of the Year honors. But Michael Thomas and his 149 catches, 1,725 yards, put that away, even though it was only by two votes. He also added nine touchdowns on the year as well. His 149 receptions throughout the season made for a new NFL record for most receptions in a single year, beating out Marvin Harrison, who had 143. And his 1,725 receiving yards on the year put him seventh on the all-time list for most receiving yards in a season as well. So Michael Thomas has been writing himself into the record books every single year of his career so far. Also, catching the most passes through the first, second, third, and fourth seasons of a player's career. So he's been absolutely incredible and 100% deserves this honor as Offensive Player of the Year. A lot of people questioned whether or not Michael Thomas deserved a contract that he was given over the offseason, which made him the first non-quarterback in the NFL to sign a contract that could be worth up to $100 million. He's certainly shown his worth now as the new record holder in receptions in a season, entering the record books as a top 10 receiver in terms of receiving yardage in a season, now winning Offensive Player of the Year, and essentially being the Saints' lone weapon at the wide receiver position for about three seasons now. Maybe we can be nice and say two seasons, because Ted Ginn Jr. did have a fine season his first year in the black and gold, but for the most part, it's Michael Thomas all the time. A lot of people want to criticize him, saying that he only runs slants, but it doesn't take much to really do some research and find that that is absolutely not the case, and even if that is the case, the fact of the matter is that when Michael Thomas lines up on the line, 
line of scrimmage. Everyone knows that he's the first option for Drew Brees, but it didn't stop him from catching nearly 150 catches in a season. So regardless of what you think about Michael Thomas, there's no denying the fact that he's one of the greatest to ever do it at the wide receiver position and to finally be acknowledged as such with that offensive player of the year. Again, the first wide receiver to win that award since Jerry Rice in 1993. Michael Thomas was not only worthy of that award, he absolutely deserved it, putting together one of the best seasons from a wide receiver in the National Football League we've ever seen and will possibly ever see unless Michael Thomas plans to completely outperform himself in the near future because as he mentioned at his acceptance speech, the marathon continues. All right, y'all, we just had to open up the show today with a huge shout out to Michael Thomas for winning that award, but it is Mock Draft Monday, so without further ado, we're going to get to the Mock Draft from thedraftnetwork.com, which included an interesting trade for the Saints that we're going to discuss possibilities around. We got that coming up next. Before we get to that, I need to talk to you a little bit about our sponsors here. So guys, let's talk about sex, good sex. Remember the days when you were always ready to go? Well, now you can increase your performance and get that extra confidence in bed. Listen up, it's bluechew.com. That's blue, like the color blue. Blue Chew brings you the first chewable with the same FDA-approved active ingredients as Viagra and Cialis, so you know that they work. You can take them anytime, day or night, even on a full stomach. And since they're chewable, they work up to twice as fast as the pills. You can be ready whenever the opportunity arises. Now, this isn't just for guys who can't perform. It's for any guy who wants some extra function to enhance their performance in the bedroom. Blue Chew is prescribed online and shipped straight to your door in a discreet package. So no more in-person doctor visits, no waiting at the pharmacy, and best of all, no more awkwardness. They're made in the USA, and since Blue Chew prepares and ships direct, they're cheaper than a pharmacy. So right now, we've got a special deal just for our listeners. Visit BlueChew.com and get your first shipment for free when you use the special promo code LOCKEDON, L-O-C-K-E-D-O-N. Just pay $5 in shipping. That's it. Again, it's B-L-U-E-Chew.com. Promo code locked on to try it for free. Bluetooth is the better, cheaper, and faster choice, and we thank them for sponsoring this podcast. To get fit in 2020, you don't have to go to a gym or pay a ton for an overpriced piece of fitness equipment. The best way to get into the best shape of your life is with Echelon. Go to echelonfit.com to discover their EX1 connected fitness bikes that offer a high-quality at-home cycling experience at less than half the price of a Peloton. Echelon makes beautifully engineered products for everyone, busy dads, busy moms, first responders and elite athletes, whatever your activity level is, Echelon's got your back. And with daily live and on-demand studio classes right in your home, you'll never have to step foot in a gym again. You'll love Echelon, but if you aren't 100% satisfied, they're going to give you your money back. Join the hundreds of thousands of men and women who are getting fit with Echelon. Don't pay a ton for Peloton. Buy an Echelon bike today for just just under a thousand dollars. Go to echelonfit.com slash L-O-N-F-L to learn more about their limited time, free Apple iPad, and complete deals of this exclusive offer. Echelon, it's your time. That's E-C-H-E-L-O-N fit.com slash L-O-N-F-L. Echelonfit.com slash L-O-N-F-L. All right, family, it is Mock Draft Monday, and if you want to keep up with a bunch of things going on all around the NFL, as Mock Draft Monday is fun for us over here at the network because every one of us covers the latest uh, Draft Network Mock Draft. It's something that we get to do all across leagues, so if you're interested, make sure that you follow the Twitter account for Locked on NFL. That's Locked on NFL Net on Twitter. You can also follow it on Instagram as well. Keeps you up to date with everything going on around the NFL, not just around your favorite team. But here, we're focused on 
on your favorite team, the New Orleans Saints. The Saints in Kyle Krabs Mock Draft 5.0 make a very interesting move and one we don't see the Saints make often. And really, we haven't seen the Saints make in a very long time. The Saints in Kyle Krabs Mock Draft 5.0 on the DraftNetwork.com traded down with the Kansas City Chiefs, the now Super Bowl champion Kansas City Chiefs. The Saints received picks 32, so they stayed in the first round, 96, so they got one at the end of the third round, and then they got an extra fifth rounder with 158, and the Saints trade away their first rounder, number 24, and sixth rounder, number uh, 183. So that would mean that the Saints would then pick at the end of the first round, twice in the third round, once in the fourth round, and then twice in the fifth round with no six or seven round picks. That's not bad. That's not really bad. And we'll talk a little bit more about trading down here in a moment, but let's talk about the pick first. Uh, The pick was Justin Jefferson at the end of the first round to the Saints. So they stick with the idea of the wide receiver from LSU, staying in Louisiana, adding another dynamic piece to the Saints offense, particularly outside of Michael Thomas, or rather opposite Michael Thomas read off just a couple of the qualities that they complimented in Justin Jefferson in being that extra weapon for the Saints offense. They talk about his route running acumen, his ball skills as well, and of course just being another guy that can prowl opposing secondaries. And so we've talked about Justin Jefferson here on the show a ton. We know we love the fit for him staying in Louisiana and playing with the New Orleans Saints. Whether Drew Brees comes back, whether it's Teddy Bridgewater or apparently Taysom Hill, we have no idea exactly what that's going to be, but Justin Jefferson would be a good fit with any of those guys to help give them another weapon and a cheap weapon at the wide receiver position opposite the best wide receiver in the game right now, Michael Thomas. So we know that the pick is good, but let's talk a little bit about what it was that caused the trade. Why would the Chiefs trade up? Well, there's actually a really good reason for it. Cornerback out of Florida, C.J. Henderson, was still on the board at 24. We know the Chiefs are weak in the secondary, particularly at the cornerback position. And so they ended up trading up and giving up a pretty hefty amount. In fact, the funny thing about this trade is that it's in the Draft Network's article, but this trade doesn't even work in the Draft Network's trade simulator. You can't even get the Chiefs to agree to this trade. So you can see that they were giving up a little something extra here in terms of the importance of getting up and grabbing the cornerback and sort of that, as Kyle Krabs calls it, go get your guy approach for the draft. So that's one of the reasons why the Chiefs ended up trading up. After that, with the Saints, the other players that went off the board before they picked, cornerback Christian Fulton, Josh Jones, offensive tackle out of Houston, another LSU player, Lloyd Cushenberry, the interior offensive lineman, linebacker Kenneth Murray, who we've seen mocked to the Saints before, Lucas Niang, another offensive tackle, KJ Hamler, a short, speedy kind of jitterbug wide receiver uh, out of Penn State, and then Grant Delpit, the safety out of LSU, who ended up going to the 49ers. So the Saints still land with a great prospect here in Justin Jefferson, even though they traded back to wait to the very, very end of the first round. Now, we know that the Saints don't don't often trade down at all. This is not a part of their MO, particularly since Sean Payton took over. Sean Payton has not traded down since 2007, and the only times that he has traded down were the two first years of his career as a coach in New Orleans in 2006 and 2007. So in 2006, we'll remember that that was one of the Saints' best draft classes ever. Reggie Bush, Roman Harper, Jari Evans, Rob Ninkovich, uh, Marcus Colston, Zach Streif, all in that class. But actually, Roman Harper and Jari Evans were both selected as a result of trade downs. They traded down in the second round with the Cleveland Browns, ended up getting Jeff Fain and the 43 overall pick for their 34, selected Roman Harper there, and then 
then they traded their fourth round pick, which was the second overall in the fourth round for Hollis Thomas and a later fourth round pick from the Eagles, where they ended up selecting Jari Evans. So worked out really well for them in 2006. But in 2007, it was a little bit of a different story. The Saints traded back out of the second round with the Detroit Lions, getting a third and fifth round pick from the Lions and ended up taking defensive backs Usama Young as well as David Jones in those picks. And eh, that didn't work out too well, not exactly as well as that 2006 draft for sure. So since then, we haven't seen the Saints make a trade back at all since that 2007 season. But honestly, with the needs that the Saints have and the depth at those positions, this might be the season to consider it. Now, the next question is, who could the Saints possibly trade back with? And including Kansas City, there are three pretty good candidates out there, and all of which are teams that the Saints have a trade history with in the recent past. We've seen the Saints in Kansas City make moves together. They make a lot of sense. And one of the things that I would say about this trade that Kyle Krabs proposes, I love the extra fifth round pick. And I'll tell you why. If the Saints have a first round pick at the end of the first round, a second round, I'm sorry, and two third round picks, uh, one at 88 and one at 96, you can get a pretty good haul out of those three top 100 picks. It doesn't give the Saints a second round pick, but it's still pretty helpful. If the Saints were to be able to grab a guy like Justin Jefferson in the first round, and then any combination of any of the other needs, a corner like UCLA's Darnay Holmes or Utah's uh, Jalen uh, Johnson, or a uh, an edge rusher slash defensive lineman like Jason Strobridge, or a bending edge rusher, a more athletic pass rusher like Bradley Anai, uh, some, a guy that you've heard us talk about here on the podcast a bunch. You can even look at the offensive line, guys like Shane Lemieux and uh, Ben Bredesen, who are interior offensive linemen that would be great replacements for Andrus Pete. If you could get any of those three players, if you can get three of any of those players, it's a pretty good haul for picks 32, 88, and 96. And then you have this extra fifth round pick that if the Saints decided that they wanted to address, let's say, uh, let's say quarterback, but don't want to address it with an actual draft pick, then maybe you make a move for a guy like Josh Rosen that's just rotting away in Miami. Now, to go get me wrong, Josh Rosen's not an answer at all, but if you want to grab a project, you could probably trade a fifth round pick and get that guy out of Miami for barely nothing at that point and then still have a fourth and fifth round pick in day three to maybe grab some special teams guys or some depth guys that you like late in the draft. So that's one of the reasons why I like that draft a lot or that trade a lot. A couple of other trades and teams that the Saints might be able to look at would, of course, be Seattle. That's a team that they have a big history with in terms of trades. Look back at Jimmy Graham, for instance, if you need to. They have a first-round pick, but they've also got two late second-round picks that would be great for the Saints. And then another really solid option for the Saints to make a move would be with the Miami Dolphins, who they made a trade with early on this past offseason to get Kiko Alonso in the building. They have a late second-round pick and early third-round pick that would be perfect for New Orleans as well. So there are some very good options for the Saints should they decide to trade back. We know that it's not a part of the Saints' usual repertoire, but if they were going to do it any season, particularly with the needs, and as I mentioned, the depth of the positions of need that they have in this draft, this 2020 class and 2020 season could absolutely be the time to finally flip the script for the Saints on draft day. All right, y'all, so we'll continue to look at possible trade scenarios for the Saints, trade up, trade down, as well as just the draft itself, but love these mock draft Mondays. Gives us a chance to have an excellent conversation about what the Saints could do on those draft days and of course we're about to learn a lot more with the nfl combine right around the corner all right y'all coming up next we're just going to take a look at a bunch of pieces of news saints related and around the league what drew Brees had to say about potentially splitting time with Taysom hill might surprise you we got that coming up for you next year on locked on saints your team every day 
All right, y'all, wrapping up today's show, we're just hitting a couple of topics here, all Saints related, but I have got to start off with this quote that was tweeted by Chris Sims. Now, y'all know I'm not a big fan of Chris Sims or PFT, but this is a direct quote from an interview with Drew Brees on PFT Live where he says, if I'm back and Taysom's alongside me, call the plays that puts us in the best position to win. If that means Taysom Hill is taking 30 snaps a game, 25 snaps a game, so be it. I'm all for that. So Drew Brees apparently happy to split half of his snaps with Taysom Hill per game if that's what's going to put the Saints in the best position to win. Now you remember Jazz Jones on Facebook Friday asked a question about whether or not the Saints and Sean Payton could potentially run a two-quarterback system. Well, it sounds like Drew Brees certainly believes that they can. And as I mentioned in Friday's episode, if any coach in the NFL could pull it off, it's probably Sean Payton. But one of the big things that kind of gave me pause about that was the fact that I didn't think that Drew Brees would be okay yielding snaps to Taysom Hill. I didn't, you know, we'd look at him sometimes as the guy that audibles out of run plays because he'd rather throw the ball and keep the keep the sort of course of the game in his own hands and if that were the case then obviously that whole two quarterback system idea wouldn't work but according to Drew Brees which I again I think this is a little bit of blow and smoke but according to Drew Brees he's more than happy to split half of his snaps per game with Taysom Hill to make it a bit of an, uh, an interesting 2020 should he return but also this doesn't sound like a guy who's ready to not return to football uh, again we'll find out in less than a month now whether or not Drew Brees is retiring or coming back to New Orleans but seems like something that somebody uh, that was planning on playing in 2020 would be thinking about not somebody that might be booking their family's vacation to the Bahamas. Now after we watched an absolutely outstanding performance from Patrick Mahomes particularly over the 12 minutes of the game or the last 12 minutes of the game uh, in last night's Super Bowl win for the Kansas City Chiefs over the San Francisco 49ers who were leading uh, 10 points late in the fourth quarter at least into the fourth quarter you look at what Patrick Mahomes did, throwing two touchdowns in the last 12 minutes, over 100 yards, eight for 12. He was great. He was outstanding. You compare that to somebody like Jimmy Garoppolo, who threw an interception, no touchdowns, barely picked up any yardage, didn't really play very well in the closing portions of the game. When you look at what Patrick Mahomes did, and you remember the fact that the Saints were actually at one point, it's not even just Patrick Mahomes, Jimmy Garoppolo too, the Saints at one point were in on both of these quarterbacks. There was the time that Jimmy Garoppolo was coming into the league in the draft, and the Saints were very interested in him, and Sean Payton really liked him, but the uh, New England Patriots ended up drafting him. Then there was the time, you know, all of that time spent mulling around whether or not the Patriots were going to end up trading Jimmy Garoppolo. They ended up trading him to the San Francisco 49ers, but the Saints, of course, had interest at that point as well. And then the Saints were interested in Patrick Mahomes, but then the Kansas City Chiefs ended up trading ahead and then picking him at number 10 when the Saints were on the clock at number 11 and were reportedly going to go for Patrick Mahomes, although we've heard from Coach Payton and others that that might not have been the case, that they may have still gone Marshall on Lattimore there. But how different would the Saints quarterback situation and the conversation around the Saints quarterbacks be right now, as well as over the last couple of years, particularly after that, uh, the disappointing playoff loss with the uh, Minnesota Vikings two years ago with the Minneapolis Miracle, how different would these conversations over the offseason have been if Patrick Mahomes was sitting on the sideline behind Drew Brees and not any 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 combination of Teddy Bridgewater, Taysom Hill, Chase Daniel, and Luke McCown. Like, how different would this conversation be at this point? We would probably be talking about how it's time for Patrick Mahomes to get his shot as the starting quarterback. Now he's been in the league for two years with Kansas City. He's a Super Bowl MVP, a Super Bowl winner, a league MVP, uh, something that Drew Brees hasn't done yet. And I'm not criticizing Drew Brees, but it's just an interesting thing to imagine 
how different this situation could be right now and how different the attitudes might be around Drew Brees, around Taysom Hill, around Teddy Bridgewater and the Saints organization if Patrick Mahomes was just sitting on the sideline for the past two seasons in the black and gold waiting for his opportunity. Would we then be talking about how it's time for Drew Brees to hang it up and give Patrick and make way for Patrick Mahomes? Or would we still be treating this with the same idea that, look, if Drew Brees wants to play, then Drew Brees wants to play? This is an interesting thing to sort of consider, that the Saints were very, very close to potentially being in an entirely different position at this point, or potentially even earlier in the last couple of years, had they been able to draft Patrick Mahomes at number 11 like they had reportedly planned without Kansas City making the trade up to number 10. This quarterback conversation over the offseason continues to get more interesting. As I mentioned, we'll know more about Drew Brees in less than a month, but certainly things could have been a lot different very quickly. And finally, I just want to close out with one shout out to my favorite, favorite Super Bowl tradition, Kyle Shanahan blowing leads in the biggest game in the NFL. Oh, it's it's something else. Now, I don't know if this that I can't remember if this that comes before the Falcons loss or before the San Francisco loss or if it includes the San Francisco and Falcons loss. But teams that were leading by 10 points in the Super Bowl were 29 and three. Kyle Shanahan has now lost two of those games where he was leading by 10 plus points, 10 or more points in the Super Bowl. That is embarrassing. That stinks. And I like what Kyle Shanahan did with the San Francisco 49ers. I think the San Francisco 49ers will contend next year. But man, you want to talk about having some disappointing playoff exits? At least we're not in a situation where we're watching the Saints blow leads in the Super Bowl. Kyle Shanahan, of course, infamous for doing so. Up 25 points against the Patriots a few years ago. Up 10 points this year against the Kansas City Chiefs. So, look, as disappointing as it may feel sometimes when you think about these last three playoff exits for the Saints, at least they're not in that situation in the biggest game of their lives. So, all right, y'all, that's going to do it for today's episode. All throughout the week, we'll continue moving forward here. We're going through position reviews, getting you ready for the draft, getting you ready for free agency. The Saints have a ton of important decisions to make this offseason. And now that the Super Bowl is finally over, we'll start to get a little bit of a glimpse into all of those things. And as well as we're going to keep an eye on the XFL too. Who are some XFL players that are performing as their season begins on Saturday? Who are some of those guys that the Saints may have, whether they be past players or just past NFL players in general, may have an eye on as a potential uh, out of spring ball going into the NFL and into training camp. So lots of interesting stuff to continue to follow over the offseason and this is the place you want to do it right here every single Monday through Friday here on Locked on Saints. I thank you as always y'all for coming through. Once again I am Ross Jackson. You can find me on Twitter at Ross Jackson ASC. Hit me up. Let me know how the family's doing. Let me know how you're living. Let me know how you're mom and them. Tell your friends, family and fellow Saints fans about the show and if you haven't already go ahead and subscribe. Drop that five star rating and review. I thank you so much for all your support and for helping me grow this family. This has been Locked on Saints and Trust Who That Nation. I'll holla at you.